Welcome to episode 43 of 1530. Today we're going to be discussing the ATP Finals 2021. Alexander Zverev won it. We're going to talk about what that means with him capturing, this is his second ATP Finals crown. That means for the tennis world and the things that we learned throughout the finals. We're going to be doing kind of a new format, kind of uh, based on top 10, and hopefully it'll be fun. Welcome to 1530. Now introducing your hosts, Ben and Matt. Well, let's go ahead and get started with the stat of the day. So, Matt, we have stat of the day. Pretty interesting stat was zero. Zero break points created. Medvedev in the final. We, I was expecting a pretty thrilling match for the final since Medvedev had just beaten Zverev in the round robin in the three-set match. But against Zverev, he wasn't even able to create one break point. So that's where the zero comes from. Medvedev created zero break points, lost... 6-4-6-4, so Zverev, a little bit too solid. Medvedev didn't play bad, necessarily, especially on his serve, but didn't create the chances we're used to him seeing, especially being one of the best returning players on tour, one of the best players on tour this year, the solid number two for the year, but just couldn't get it done. So I don't know, Matt, was that more of just being out of gas, or was it just Zverev was playing too good? I don't know, what are your thoughts on that matchup? Yeah, that's a good question. Um and probably a little bit. It's the end of the year. I'm sure we'll dive into these numbers more completely later in the episode, and you'll see that it probably because Zverev was playing pretty well. Medi just wasn't really keeping up with that, so that's probably what it came down to. It's a clean game by Alex. Yeah, and you know maybe we're selling Zverev short a little bit here. You know Medvedev was a solid number two, won the U.S. Open, beat. Djokovic, but can't forget, right, Zverev, he won the gold medal. He beat Djokovic en route to that in Tokyo. He was pretty dominant in some of the other tournaments this year. So he's it's not like he was a slouch. He did have one of the best records post-Wimbledon. Um, post he was really solid. So maybe, maybe we're selling short here. Maybe he was a solid, you know, 2B. You know, if, if Medvedev was 2-alpha, two, two maybe – Zverev was too bravo being the second best player, but almost, you know, almost taking that title. Gold medal does mean a lot, right? I think major, especially first time major, maybe means a little more, but Zverev was kind of right there. And so I agree, his his play was pretty solid. He, I noticed a lot of it was just the margins, right? Medvedev might have been more solid working the points, but Zverev, he'd go for the riskier shots. And when he made them, they paid off. And his serve is always going to be big. It's a lot of times how you deal with the backhand. I was reading an interesting article about that on the ATP's website where in the, the round robin match where it was still very, very tight, three-setter, but Medvedev was controlling the the rallies and not letting Zverev hit a lot of forehands. So it was a lot of backhand to backhand where Medvedev, you could argue, is one of the best backhands in the game. You know, a la Djokovic a little bit, but maybe even better in some ways. But they said in this... This final, Zverev was able to turn around, hit more forehands, especially that forehand up the line for Zverev. He's very, very aggressive on that. But honestly, from watching it, maybe it's just, you know, recency bias or you have the eye candy of, of his backhand. But a couple times he can just whip it. He can surprise you. Just whip the backhand up the line for a quick winner. So, but it did look like the numbers, you know, didn't lie there. That he did generally play a lot more forehands and that uh, – that game plan was, was probably a well-thought-out game plan, led to his advantage in the final. Plus, you know, long year for Medvedev, you know, played in a lot of finals, including the Australian Open final, U.S. Open final. 
So maybe he was gassed in some ways, but you know, hats off to Zverev for for winning that tournament. For like I said, the second time, I think that's pretty interesting. And you know, I got got to say it, but it's been a while since. And maybe this is like going a little bit into our list early, but it's it's not been the big three. It's not been Djokovic and Federer dominating this tournament, right? I think in years past, you know, Federer has won it a bunch of times. Djokovic, you know, has also been dominating of late, but. This tournament, it's been a while since one of those guys have won it. Um, maybe Fed's not really the king of the indoors, and maybe Joke isn't either, which, you know, him him beating Medvedev in Paris indoors was, was dominant, but at the ATP finals, he's just not not winning that. I think what's the, the last time Joke was in a final in twenty eighteen against Zverev? Didn't win a didn't win a set. Zverev won in straight sets. I think the last time Djokovic won it might have been Maybe 2015. I have to look that up I'm to be sure, up. but it's been yeah. a while, right? If you look at that, that's six years. It's a good um, memory. Yeah, because Murray, I remember Murray ended the year 2016. He ended it um, being the winner. But 2016 was definitely Murray. 18 was Zverev. I'll check real quick for 17. But 17 anyway, was Grigor Dimitriov. Grigor, thank you. Grigor beat David Gafayan. So. Yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know, Matt, is that, uh, am I reading too much into it? Is it just one tournament or is that enough data points to say, you know, maybe he's not head and shoulders way above the rest or is that, is that being too hasty? No, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I've always thought that the ATP finals were a little bit of an anomaly. Um, always just seems, I mean, we haven't had the same, had a repeat winner since Novak did it in 15. He did it four times in a row from 2012 to 2015, but. Since then, yeah. I mean, you know, it's been anybody's game. And so um, I think it's partly that. I think it's partly that, yeah, you've got these players that are finally, finally getting to the point where they're not such huge underdogs against Novak and, and the others anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and, and to your point there, I think, you know, if you think about someone like Djokovic, where he's used to being the top seed or, you know, one or two basically right for many, many years – your draw is a little bit easier, right? You don't have to play because literally the ATP Finals is the best eight players in the world going round robin. You know, and Djokovic right. just got knocked out in the round robin. It's not that often, but I remember Federer did it to him in 2019. Kind of got some Wimbledon revenge on him in London in the indoors, even though, you know, I'd rather have a Wimbledon title than knock out hmm. Djokovic in the round robin. But still, that's kind of what happened, right? So I guess what I'm saying is, if you have to play the best eight players in the world and you have to get to the title, there's a little bit of luck involved. It's best of three, which isn't Djokovic's strength. I'd say he's much better best of five player. But usually to win a slam, you don't have to beat the best eight player or the best other seven players in the world, right? You're beating maybe, you know, with and with upsets, maybe not even a maybe not even two or three, but you know, you'd at least face one in the semis and you'd probably face one in the final. But uh, I think maybe that's a big factor too. But yeah, let's go ahead, go ahead with our top 10 things we learned during the ATP Finals. Kind of come up with the list, we'll talk about it. It's not necessarily in particular order, but we'll start off with uh, number 10. So Medvedev, not even creating one break opportunity. We talked about that in the, the stat of the day. I do think it was kind of fluky because, you know, as good as Varev was when watching it, it looked like Medvedev would start to dig in, but just couldn't quite get it done. But it's also concerning, right? It's two sets, still not able to create even one opportunity. It was a little concerning to me. I don't know, again, if it's fatigue. We'll see how 
you know, what happens in Australia, I would still say Medvedev's the second best hardcore player right now on tour. But I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if Zverev is flipping that head-to-head on Medvedev, right, with maybe that pattern of, you know, I'm going to hit a little more forehands. You know, Medvedev's forehand is not a, as much of a weapon as his backhand. It's more of a workable shot, in my opinion. I mean, Medvedev's been known for being crafty, less for just straight-up winners. But I don't know. Maybe Zverev is onto something, man. So I'm going to be looking forward to that next time Medvedev and Zverev play. Um, maybe that's a sign of things to come. So uh, number nine, I'd say Zverev. He's proved that he will win a slam. I, I don't feel like there's much doubt here. Injuries aside, assuming he doesn't get injured and assuming, of course, he does have some looming um, issues with domestic violence, which obviously is a serious thing. And the, the ATP, you know, player association and that, that body, they've talked about wanting to investigate that. So unless somehow his career kind of gets, you know, mentally gets disarrayed because of that or because of injury, I feel like he'll win a slam. I feel pretty confident, you know, winning the gold medal, winning this one, getting so close, two sets to love up in the U.S. Open final against team in 2019. He's had so many, so many close calls that I feel like eventually the luck's going to break for him. I, I really do feel confident that he will win I don't know, Matt, you, what, what your thoughts are on that way and on that, but I feel pretty confident in Alexander Zverev. No, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, especially if he's able to be consistent, right? He's he's played super well the the last half of this year, last quarter of this year, and you know every Grand Slam is involves a little bit of luck. So yeah, you know he needs a little bit of that to break his way. But that's, assuming he gets that at some point, I I don't see a reason why he wouldn't be able to finally get there. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like him, just like I felt like Medvedev and team before they won slams. You know, team had so many chances. You know, oh, he win the first set on the doll, or he, you know, make the French Open final multiple times. Oh, he made the Australian Open finals up two sets to one over Djokovic. You know, doesn't win it. It's like at some point, assuming he stays healthy and assuming he's still playing at a high level, something's going to break his way. You know, and team right. won. I didn't think he was going to win the US Open, right? I thought he was going to win the French Open, right? I thought Nadal maybe <laughs> was going to have a bad French or maybe not make the final, and, and that's where he'd win it. That's where I would have bet money, but he still won one, right? right. Uh, Medvedev, I would have thought, no, I would have guessed hardcore, maybe Australia or US Open. So maybe US Open is what I would have guessed, but, you know, he won one. Maybe not the year I th- would have thought with Djokovic going for the, you know, the calendar slam, but what a way to shut that down, right? So I just feel like Zverev's on that cusp where it's just like these other two guys. They're so good. How could they not? And then they do eventually, maybe not in the manner you expect, but they still do. So uh yeah i think that's interesting that's my that's my second top 10 or number nine go to number eight um i kind of already referenced this djokovic and federer are no longer kings in my opinion of the indoor and of the atp finals no. um, in years past right they won multiples in a row i think there's two of the best players has, has djokovic won more than federer in the atp finals i think he has made by one but i think so yeah we can verify that but i i mean i don't think they're the kings anymore and Federer proved that when, you know, he had that chance in the semis against Gauffin. He played Tsitsipas in the semis the other time and, you know, didn't look as sharp. You know, I don't think he is quite uh, quite there. And Djokovic, you know, hasn't won one in a while as well. So, you know. Fed even still the, holds he, the lead. What did you say? I said Fed still holds the lead. He's got six to Novak's five. Six to Novak's five. Okay. But even with uh, – 
you know, Medvedev, someone I wouldn't think would be as good indoors, makes the Paris finals. He wins the ATP finals uh, last year. He makes the final, I believe it was the year before, against, um, no, maybe that was Team in Um So it's just like, you know, I wouldn't expect Medvedev to be a very good indoor player, yet he's dominating, right? Zverev, expect him to be a good indoor player, but I just don't think it's a shoe-in anymore where it's like, oh, yeah. You know, Nadal's definitely not going to win the ATP Finals. Djokovic is, or Federer will make at least make the final. I think I think there's a lot of parity, and a lot of these guys are good indoors, right? I think it goes back to the fact of, yeah, there are specialists, and you know, some players are good on different surfaces. But Rude, Casper Rude, we're going to talk about in a minute. He's another one that's proved he's not just a guy in clay; he can win on the hard court, and he's good. Uh, Cici Pass, good on pretty much every surface, right? So, I just think look out. And uh, it's, I wouldn't bet money on Novak next year on HP finals either. So, uh, but again, like I said, best of five, look out. You know, Novak still got best of five, I think. But yeah. I don't know, any comments on that? No, yeah, I agree with all that. All right, this is a pretty bold one for number seven. Federer and Nadal not really missed at the finals. And maybe, to be fair, maybe it's a pattern. Maybe it's been so many years that they've really even been there or been contending. Um, I guess Nadal got pretty close against, uh, I think it was Medvedev last year of winning. Medvedev had to come from behind to win against against Nadal. But, you know, in Turin, it was it was a new a new place that they were host, hosting. I know London had kind of had a straggle hold for a long time, like maybe even like a decade where they played the ATP finals there. Maybe even longer, because I think definitely when Federer was there, 2010. Yeah, so anyways, London hosted it forever. Uh, Turin, the crowds were really, you know, into it, right? A couple of Italian players with Berrettini and with Sinner playing, they were super into it. And then apparently when the players went around in the city and kind of took a photo shoot, everyone was, you know, swooning over these great players. So maybe that's a little bit too bold to say, but I feel like, I feel like the future is bright and maybe Federer and Nadal aren't as missed as you would think. Mm-hmm. Tennis seemed to be alive and well in Turin. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, especially in Italy, right? You mentioned the two up and coming. They've got a couple of Italian players that are really knocking on the door of relevancy. So right. I'm sure that helps to have them there as well. Yeah, and so kind of, I kind of already steal my own thunder in number six. Turin was a great change. I think it's good to have, uh, you know, have that refreshing change, a different, different locale, different kind of vibe to the stadium. London's obviously great, but... I think it's good for them to spread the wealth and help out some of the other players there, right? And I think they definitely benefited from the home home crowd, even though Berrettini kind of had to retire because he was injured. Sinner, I think, obviously did great. And it was cool to see that environment, see the buzz in that stadium because they don't, you know, they don't usually host these great players, you know, the top players in the world. So it's pretty cool. Um, again, my, my list just is full of great transitions. So number five, was Sinner is the future. You know, he's the new next gen. Yannick Sinner got, you know, biggest backhand and forehand, maybe even on the tour. Obviously, he's got to figure out to be a tiny bit more consistent and, you know, up his game and the the levels mentally where the big, you know, the big three and Djokovic and Medvedev are. But I don't feel like he's lacking any firepower. You know, that guy has got a huge game. It was really fun to watch. Alcarez, the, the young Spaniard, who I think he upset Tsitsipas at the U.S. Open in five sets. Him and Sinner battling it out in Paris in the indoors, and it was electric. You know, I think Sinner ended up losing that one, but you know, I think the future is pretty bright. And Sinner is, 
I think he's part of that next new, uh, you know, that new next gen, right? I think he's barely 20 or 21 years old, like barely, you know, he's still very, very young, but he's got some match play. He's really, really good. Um, he's won some tournaments already, kind of setting records for his age and his maturity. You know, every time I see him scalp a new, you know, experienced player, I'm, I'm honestly not surprised anymore. So I wonder how quickly we're going to see him rise. You know, he goes from winning the ATP next gen finals I think it was a couple years ago and then he wins a match he was an alternate but he won a match you know the first match played so i think he's uh he's got some big game let's see speaking of game number four casper rude that guy can play his debut in the atp finals he makes the semis right and with a stacked draw with rublev with cc pass i guess he retired injured but zverev Djokovic, medvedev it's amazing that Rude made the semis. Of course, you know, he lost in straights to Medvedev, but still, like, Rublev has made the tournament at least two times and has never made the semis. So on his debut, making the semis, and this is the guy last year, if you would have said, oh, yeah, Casper Rude, indoor, you know, hardcore, he's going to make, you know, even make the finals. And people would be like, what? That dude's a clay court specialist. But he showed this year making it very far in hardcore tournaments that he has got, you know, great forehand, Pretty good serve. This guy can this guy can battle on any surface. Um, we'll see about grass, but definitely hard court in clay. So, want to put a plug in for Casper Rude for the for the Norwegian fans there. He's got some huge game. All right, Matt. So we're down to number three for our top ten list. So number three is Medvedev was the clear number two player, uh, but Zverev muddies it a little bit. This argument a little bit. And I kind of talked about that with the you know Medvedev winning the U.S. Open making so many finals, you know, again, making this other final, ATP finals, clearly the number two player, but Medvedev, or what was Zverev, excuse me, having a great record with the Olympics and, you know, kind of beyond. He, he maybe was, you know, a very, very close third. So, yeah, hats off to both those guys. They're chomping at the bit. Zverev really does struggle to beat Djokovic in best of five, but he's beat him in two best of three matches, you know, one in the Olympics and one – here in the semifinals of the ATP finals. So I don't know if you have anything else to say about those two guys, those great athletes. No, no, I, yeah, it, it's great to see him. I was thinking about, you mentioned nobody really missed Fed and, and Rafa. You have these other sports, you follow teams, right? You can look at soccer for, yeah. you know, the international fans, football. And so you can, you can be fans of a whole team, no matter how many people come and go. I'm a, you know, I'm whatever, Florida state fan or a, Man U fan, um, but tennis is is different. It's an individual sport, right? And so as these players start to to wane in their career, you have to <laughs> transition to to a new generation, a new group of kids that you like or people that you like. And um, I think that's happening. I think it's finally you know coming up, and people are really seeing the these different personalities and. They're new and brash and excited and much different from the, you know, formality and, 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 and gentlemanly, you know, Federer and even Rafa, but they're, yep. you know, professionalism. I think people like that. I think they like that, what it's bringing to tennis. And uh, so I, I think, you know, Medvedev has is full character, full personality in all of his interviews and things. Um, and so you see that these players coming in and it's, um, you get to know them and, and get to really enjoy them and enjoy their their play on the court and their their you know 
putting their play behind behind their words and and really competing. So I think it's great to see these people coming in and making it very competitive. Yeah, I, I like how you brought up kind of their personalities stuff too. I mean, Medved is so funny with his celebration. What do they call it? The limp fish. No, oh, yeah. Like the FIFA fans, right? Where he when he won it and kind of did that that interesting celebration. It's like you said, new generation. Not only playing style, you know, being different, but personalities as well. And I think, like you said, it adds a good spice, good variety to the game. And I think kind of like at a smorgasbord or whatever at a at buffet. You know, people like their Federer and Nadal. They they scoop that on there. Maybe some Djokovic. <laughs> uh, why not? Why not get more? Right. And I think people are entertained. You know, I personally, you know, I think it's really fun to watch the unique style of Tsitsipas, right. even team in the way that he battles. You know, it's like okay, I'll scoop up a little bit of them on the plate, add a little bit of spice, a little bit of variety. So, like you're saying, it's interesting as sports fans who you gravitate to. But you know, there is there is more room than just for Nadal or Federer. And that's coming from me, a big Federer fan, right? There's there's a lot of good, a lot of other good players to watch. If you enjoy the game of tennis, I think there's always more to be learned, right? They always talk about how Federer can always make up new shots and new ways of hitting the ball that people have never seen. But we're, we're kind of seeing that new styles of play that, you know, arguably are different and, and unique. And I feel like, oh, you can win a match in that manner or you can hit a shot like that, you know? So it's it's fun to watch these other players and see what they can bring to the table. Um, speaking of that, I want to talk about one of the numbers here was 87%. That was Djokovic's first serve points won against Zverev in the semis. You see a number like that, you would think, man, Djokovic, as long as he had a decent first serve percentage, he's going to win that handily. And he had a good first serve percentage, 65% is pretty good. But Zverev just took it. He just attacked so hard on Novak's second serve, which is usually a pretty solid serve. Uh, he only won 42% of his second serve points won. So Zverev definitely had a clear clear game plan. He served really well himself. He won 78% of his first serve points, which is still great. But he won also 65% of his second serve points. So, again, just hats off to Zverev because Novak served really well in the first serve. And usually you see numbers like that, you think Novak wins. Not just, not just wins, but wins in a landslide. And that's not what happened. So, again, credit to Zverev. That's kind of my next point was number two, Zverev. He has small margins sometimes, but when he's hitting those lines, when he's hitting those serves, he's really hard to beat. Um, he's he's definitely lights out. So I noticed that against Novak where, you know, he got into some trouble, but he was able to serve his way out of trouble, and it was pretty dominant. So, again, maybe maybe it's more like a Chilich with, you know, the big serves and big forehands, and you're like, man, you don't even have a chance with those combinations. And you can get hot and you can run to a U.S. Open final and win the U.S. Open. You can run to a Wimbledon final, U.S. or Australian Open final. I think you lost those two to Federer. But, you know, you can get hot and make some finals. And Zverev, you know, he can also rally too. So I think he's got a few different facets to his game. But I love watching him attack. He went to the net a lot more. Uh, I thought was pretty successful. His net game's improving. So I don't know. We, we could see. I don't know if he'll win this next year, but hopefully he'll win soon from what I'm seeing from him. All right, and then number one thing I learned, so it's the big two. It is Novak and it is Medvedev. Those are the those are the two guys to beat. It's not the big three anymore. The traditional big three, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. And maybe the big three will be reinvented if Nadal comes back and plays really well, but I think right now it's the big two. It's Djokovic and, and Medvedev. Um, another way you can think of the big two is Medvedev and Zverev. 
right? Where Djokovic having to get through those two guys is so hard, right? And Djokovic proved that, right, with having to beat, you know, had he had he lost to, well, sorry, U.S. Open, he beat Zverev in that tight five-setter, lost to Medvedev the next match. And this one, he couldn't even get through the first guy. He couldn't get through Zverev. He would have had to face Medvedev in the final. So I think, you know, maybe for Novak, that could be really tough if he starts seeing these guys in the semis. And then he goes, oh, I have to see the other one in the final. That could be like a brick wall going through. But as far as who was the dominant, you know, who do you not want to face? It's the rankings got it right. It's it's one and two. It's Djokovic, then Medvedev. But I think for others, seeing that Medvedev and Zverev, they could be rivals for a while. You know, they could be at this for a while. And I don't know who, who the new big three is going to be, right? Rublev's pretty good, but kind of tapered off. You know, didn't really have a good second half of the year. Tsitsipas struggled with injuries. Team obviously still struggled with injuries. So I don't know who that third player is going to be. But the new big, you know, we always got to think of these, these players that are hungry and want to dominate. And I think we could see a new big three forming, especially when Djokovic retires or just eventually isn't, uh, isn't up to snuff. But I don't know, Matt. That's pretty bold. One. What do you think about that? The big two, not only Djokovic and Medvedev, but about Medvedev and Zverev being part of a new big two. Yeah, it's interesting the point you bring up of Joke trying having to get through both of them. And yeah, it's it's super valid. Um, yeah, I, that's really intriguing. And I think you're going to see a lot of a lot more matchups like that, and a lot more uh, uh, uncertainty there of Joke getting to the end. Like you said earlier in this in this list, Joke still has it in the best of five, right? I mean, obviously the U.S. he didn't quite com- complete there, but I, he's still a force to be reckoned with in, in in best of five tournaments. But yeah, I mean, certainly in these best of three, and even in those in the slams, it's real tennis. It's real competition, and I definitely agree. I think Nadal's. You know, maybe got a few more French in them and maybe one or two more hard courts, but that's about it. And Fed is geriatric. Yeah. I mean, and who knows? Like, maybe he has a miracle run, but it's just maybe it's hard to see him beating, you know, those three guys, right? All three of them, right? Djokovic, you could say that's a big three. Djokovic, Medvedev, Zvera. How's he going to beat all three? Maybe one. Um, but maybe with the parody, you know, there's upsets. That, you know, he can have a dream run, but even if he wins at Wimbledon, he's not doing that consistently. Like I said, Nadal, maybe a French, but I think I was kind of reminded of his mortality with, you know, against Djokovic, right? I mean, Nadal played great. Djokovic just played better. And you're like, well, if other players see the pass and stuff are going to beat him on the clay, which they have, can they beat him at the Sacred Roland Garros? And I think they're shown that there's some cracks in the armor. It'll be really interesting to see with Djokovic maybe not playing Australia. I know this vaccine mandate, uh, you know, don't know if he's vaccinated or not. Seems like he's not, but that that could be very interesting, right? Is Medvedev and Zverev going to battle it out? Or is Djokovic going to get vaccinated? I don't know. You know, this, there's a lot of things up in the air. Djokovic has been so dominant down under, but I don't think there's any uh, any for sure, you know, any certainties there. But, um, yeah, that's kind of our top ten list that I have. Um, well, maybe do another one to kind of close out the year, top, top 10 things of the year, things we learned. And then we got to start looking again to Australia. It's coming up real quick, uh, middle of January down under where everyone's supposed to be vaccinated, not really supposed to do exemptions unless you actually have an actual legit medical 
condition that prevents you from getting the vaccine. So I don't think they're really taking much religious exemption. It's got to be strictly medical. So that'll be interesting to see who else isn't going to make it. They're throwing out numbers like 95% of the players are vaccinated. I'm not exactly sure, you know, if that's accurate, but it, obviously a majority of the players are. So it's pretty interesting to see. That's all we have for you. Uh, as always, please visit us at cognitionsphere.com. The music was brought to us by Kevin MacLeod with excerpts from his school, excerpts from his song, sorry, Cool Rock, not School of Rock. <laughs> please share our podcast with uh, anyone that loves tennis. And until next time, we'll see you on the court. Mm-hmm.